are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. reads 5780 and this assortment of earth confetti on my on the bridge it's rosh hashanah spock the jewish new year happy new year buddy what are your new year's revolutions there is an infinite amount to unpack in that statement sir choose your battle spock you've practiced this um what are your new year's revolutions sir to be a bet her person to be a better person? Better. 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 She who bets. I really should have taken that teaching position at the academy. And I bet <laughs> that you are ready to start the show. You got me again, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, friend. Hi, everybody! I'm Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I'm looking forward to another prosperous year. Hmm. Just a reminder to the friends at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. So, you still haven't answered my question, Captain. I mean, what is all of this? We've spent many a Jewish and a Roman year together, and you've never had streamers or confetti. Well, last year was kind of rough for your captain, as both you and the listeners know. And I'm just feeling ready for some sort of metaphorical fresh start. And what better way to do that than with a banner? Yes, that, that definitely tracks for you. And as I like to do every now and then, I'm questioning the Westworld constructs that I've been holding on to, and questioning whether or not there's anything that I can let go of. And what have you found? It led me to think about the nature of reality and what it means to be a good person. Oh, no. But what? I feel like when you get philosophical, sir, I wind up having to watch terrible cinema Usually from the 80s, though occasionally from the late 70s. Sometimes the 90s. Well, fortunate for you, the two shows that came to my mind were The Wire and The Good Place. And I happen to know that you like both of those shows. So there. Is one of your New Year's revolutions that you pick cinema that is more pleasing to my Vulcan and human heritage? No. Oh. <laughs> well... <laughs> color me disappointed <laughs> i will continue to pick cinema that helps you understand how tiny tiny kirk became grande kirk <laughs> and all of these films helped form who i am as an adult ship captain i want you to know that when you segued into grande kirk all i could think of was like a um a, a, some sort of like kirk Starbucks cup hybrid situation. <laughs> and so, like, obviously, instead of the Starbucks mermaid situation that they have on there, it was just, like, you in your, your admiral's uniform, your dress, no, your dress uniform, which is different from your everyday Starfleet uniform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Emblazoned yeah. on the cover in you know, red and gold, of course. Uh, if any of our listeners at home are really into doing fan art, mm. I I would very much like the fan <sighs> art of me 
in my dress uniform on a Starbucks cup. So I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> That's true, because listen, Hanukkah's right around the corner, friends. <laughs> and that's eight opportunities ah! <laughs> to give your captain gifts and who knows what i'll sing then uh i don't know um yeah. but i you know speaking of singing you did do a great job of hitting all those high notes and old lang syne that was that was quite impressive i did i honestly didn't know that you could do that oh thank you yeah i, I it's all my vocal exercises mm, true and, and your, <laughs> your, your theater training it is um it is i get so few chances to try it out but i'm gonna bring us back that's even fair. though we are talking about me and complimenting me which i like a lot mm-hmm. um i'm gonna bring us back because i i wonder if our friends at home are experiencing some of what i'm experiencing whether or not they are of uh religious or cultural jewish descent that this time of year is just very much about transition and change Ah, uh. and it it feels very much like we're you know we're changing seasons mm-hmm. we're you know it is it is a hundred percent autumnal now and there's something about the fall that for me anyway and i've i've had clients tell me is a very introspective time and i think and I have no science to back this up, but in my personal experience and with clients, I think this... So we're talking like to- anecdotal evidence, which yes, needn't, anecdotal. Be, needn't be sniffed at or ignored. Yeah. So I, I don't have research to back this up, but I do have good anecdotal evidence that the reason we get so introspective, uh, maybe ex- excited, like this is a, a time of renewal and transition, is because this is when we used to start school. Mm. Sure. And so that was, you know, it was the time, a promise of a new year, new possibilities. Who are going to be my friends this year? What am I going to wear this year? Um, if you were me, what sort of identity are gonna, you going to take on this year? Yes, for, for, for you, as a, you as a Kirkling, it was, it was new each year. <laughs> I was a hippie for quite a while, though. Um, I'm sure it says something about me and my my childhood on Vulcan that as I heard you talking just a moment ago, sir, about autumn and what it brought up for you and when I went back to my Vulcan memory banks, what it brought up for me was feelings of dread <laughs> that I would never live up to uh, Papa Sarek's expectations mm. and fears of being bullied because I was a Vulcan human hybrid. And while Vulcan has made many strides in its areas of cultural acceptance at this point, back in the day, it was not great. It, it's interesting that you say that because it's not like I was a cool kid. Um, I I was a I, I was though a you pretty, are very cool now, sir. I am very cool now. Very cool. Many people want to know you. <laughs> they do know me. I talk to them every other week on this <laughs> podcast. True. Um, <laughs> And if they aren't listening, they could know me. Um, I could be talking in their ears right now. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I was I was a I was a theater nerd, and I was uh, you know gangly and and weird, um, and I didn't like school. Mm-hmm. And yet there was still something about autumn that was. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know what it was. Uh, what it was exactly? I guess maybe the promise that this year would be different. Sure. I mean, I would say in general, you you tend to be a, a hopeful sort of person, right? Not like happy-go-lucky, but more <laughs> that like you you definitely like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, um, but I would say that I think you you tend to like see the possibility for like sparkle. Right. Mm. And that each autumn you, you know, you probably saw the the changing of the leaves and smelled smells of different spices. And you were like, hey, this promise is something I could I could get down with that promise. Mm -hmm. Whereas I being very into, you know, intellectualizing all of my feelings as a young Spock, I was like, nope, I'm going to pull prior knowledge. And what prior knowledge is telling me is that things are going to be rough. Yeah, that's actually that's super on brand for us. Is, <laughs> is that you were you were like, 
I the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, and my classmates mm-hmm. will not be any different. Yep. And <laughs> and I was like, people are totally changeable at any moment. <laughs> you were like, yeah, you never know what could happen, what you'll do, what they'll do. So much possibility. This could be my year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Although, okay. No, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, although I, I do honestly think uh, that uh, 5780 is my year. Yes, you have, you have been texting me that quite frequently um, <laughs> and, and letting me know that via our comm badges. It's sometimes quite inopportune moments. <laughs> Spock's in a meeting. 5780 is my year. I'm in the middle of my, my morning steam. 5780 is my year. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to fall asleep, and all of a sudden I hear the dulcet tones of the captain's voice. <laughs> 5780 Spock, it's our year. I mean, but at this I point, I very much believe you. It feels true. I've heard it so many I, times. I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to like bring us back to kind of what you were saying kind of at the top of the app with this idea of um, the new year, new you, question mark. I'm saying the question mark, dear listeners, because I really did practice saying it with the right inflection or I <laughs> attempted and it just, it didn't work. Um, You're like so, Elcor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I am. I am like the Elcor. Shout out to all of our Mass Effect 1 fans. It was a highly problematic game, but you know what? There were some bright spots like the Elcor and the big jellyfish dude. <laughs> and also if you don't play through the first one you don't get to have rex and rex is pretty important mm. Mm. yeah okay mm. yeah but this is these are topics for for later what i was going to bring us back to was this idea of the new year new you question mark because it's an opportunity to decide what's what has been working for you that you want to take with you mm-hmm. right and like carry forth with you into this new year and maybe what are things that that are not serving you that maybe haven't served you in a good long while that you would like to, you know, in that Murray Bowen, Carl Whitakerian sense, really just like pass back. Mm. Oh, I love pass back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think um, for, for folks who are listeners who are also uh, my, my clients, this, this, this will be a conversation we've had lots of times. So, you know, Go, go get a soda or something. Uh, <laughs> well, the idea that we aren't we aren't letting things go. Mm-hmm. You know, we use that phrase a lot as a culture. What we're doing is we're looking at things and saying, "Is this mine?" Sure. Is is this feeling mine? Is this construct mine? And if it isn't, refusing to hang on to it in your proverbial backpack full of shit that you already have to carry and handing it back to the person to whom it belongs. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a family where uh, a family member is often handing you their feelings, and by that I mean emoting at you in such a way that they want you to take those feelings, this is an opportunity to look at that and go, wait a minute. Is that anxiety mine? Or is that anxiety my family members? And if it is, they keep handing it to me because I keep taking it. And that would be nice, wouldn't it, if someone could just take your anxiety away? Um, but, but guess what? If you give your anxiety away, someone else took it. So you, <laughs> you are giving someone else your anxiety. So just something that's, to consider. That's, that's not a very nice gift. It's not a no. That is a mm, no. Mm, I would not. I would. I would not give that to you for any of the eight days of Hanukkah. <laughs> Tada, Raba. Uh, <laughs> so, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like this time of year is an invitation mm-hmm. to reflect on both what's been working and what hasn't been working for us. Mm-hmm. And to think about those things that maybe aren't working for us or haven't been working for us to consider where do those things come from, right? Like, 
to use, you know, my example, obviously these, these memories of feelings of dread, I mean, those, those are mine. Nobody gave those to me. I, I, mm-hmm. I, those are memories. I can call them back one after the other, after the other. And God bless this brain that does a lot of like pattern matching. <laughs> right. Um, like once I think of dread, my brain's like, oh my gosh, let me help you out, Spock. Let me pull all these other examples of times that you felt dread. <laughs> Thanks brain. I'm like, wow, so helpful. Um, so I can look at that and think to myself, okay, this does come from me. This is not something that society handed to me. This is not mm-hmm. some sort of invented ethical or moral code that is not innate to my being. This was innate to my experience. And yet, do I want to continue having this experience? Mm-hmm. Right? And then not only that, is there a way that I can kind of acknowledge and be with that? Yes, there were many times that autumn was difficult for me in the past while also understanding that that is fundamentally in the past Mm -hmm. it's not my right now and that while you know the sights sounds smells heck even textures of autumn might bring up those past memories that when they do understanding that this is not some sort of indication of what this year's autumn will be it's a reminder of what autumn once was hmm yeah, I like that a lot. And it makes me think of, um, be- because I'm a narrative therapist, it makes me think of a literal book. Mm. You know, you you have been you've been reminded of this literal book that you read. And, you know, when you hold that book, you can remember those things. And that doesn't mean you need to open that book and read it again, especially if it was a book you did not enjoy. But you can... You can recognize that, like, yes, I have read this book. Yes, I had this experience. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and close this book and put it right back up on the shelf. And if I need it, it's there. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, it can live right there on the shelf of, of my mind palace. Mm-hmm. And it has no power over me. It's just a book, mm-hmm. just like any other book. And, <laughs> uh, and I think it's helpful to remember that we... We don't need to destroy our memories. We don't need to get rid of them. No. Uh, it's how how do we how do we hold them? If they're if we discover this is ours, this is not something to hand back, how do I keep it in a way that I am in charge of it? I am the I am the librarian. <laughs> Which of course just brings me to the magicians and the complicated Which I've never seen that... i'm so sorry i know one day one day sir i'm gonna get you to watch that show i mean it, it's an emotional investment to be sure um but yeah those librarians are very they're very tricksy but what i mean those of those of you who have seen the magicians they they do very much attempt to carry out some of what you're saying which is mm-hmm. that they're very mindful of organization and attention to place where mm-hmm. does each book go? And they do have a very real sort of, I think, respect and understanding of the power of books. And that if you're not, if you're selecting one that maybe is not the right fit for the context that you're in, that can be very, very damaging. Mm. Oh, I love that. Oh, I had no idea my analogy was going to be so good. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not surprised. <laughs> Nor am I, sir. <laughs> But that's so real because they, you know, I say they're just books, but books are also very powerful. They're both and. Mm -hmm. And so are we. Mic drop. End of podcast. I'm going to walk off into the woods and retire. Uh, not not quite just yet. Um, Oh, no, 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 no. no. It's it's not time to have your Captain Picard moment. Um, you need you need to come on back because we have not we haven't even begun to talk about your journey for this this autumnal season, which relates to trying to unpack the idea of what it is to be a good person. Oh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, good good point. Thank you for the reality check. Um, yes, what I'm here so... for, literally and figuratively. Um. <laughs> uh, so the reason it's New Year, New You, question mark, is um, we get a lot of rhetoric around the, the Roman New Year, the, mm. the uh, J- 
January 1st, New Year, mm-hmm. around um, New Year, New You. Uh, and it's all about appearance and, you know, shit that corporations can make money on, really. That's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a capitalism holiday. Gym, gym memberships, protein mm-hmm. bars, mm-hmm. salads. Again, <laughs> not to hate on like gym memberships or salads or protein bars. <laughs> if any of these things are your jam, you know, like mazel. Um, but it's it's really thinking about like what is what's the underpinning of being flooded via media with these kinds of like i don't know like representations and ideas in the roman new year mm-hmm. right and so what what we are inviting in this conversation is actually the new year is a great time to consider what's working and what's not working mm-hmm. and let's do that in a really authentic way and not in a way that is influenced by capitalism mm-hmm. which uh if if you're a longtime listener, you know that we're talking about the Westworld construct. So if if you are not familiar, go on back and listen to, to the Westworld construct. But I will uh, tell you that we're talking about social constructionism or the way that, that reality is constructed and how people um, kind of tell us how to live our lives. And we don't even realize that's happening. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of messaging. I promise I'm coming back to the point, which is... Um, those messages about you need to go to the gym, you need to eat a salad, you need to do all this, they are presented as these are the things you need to do to be a good person. Right. To be a solid member of society, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. To be a worthwhile human being, this is what you need to do. Right. And is that what it means to be a quote unquote good person? Does my appearance have anything to do with a moral good? I don't think so. No. Fuck no. (laughs) My appearance has nothing to do with a moral good. Um, And and so if if our goal is to be a morally, quote unquote, good person, and I say that because I don't love the words good and bad. They're too, they're too binary. Right. Um. But if you want to be a, I don't know, a force for positive energy in the universe. Uh, what well, do- and maybe that's part of what you're encouraging folks to think about this time of year, too, is to reflect on what what does it mean to them to be a good person? Like part of the reason why I think you and I push up against the labels of good and bad is that they are. They don't tell us a lot about what in the world that means. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what is what is the metric? What are. Yeah, what 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 is denoted by and what is what makes up this idea of what it is to be a good person. And that does fit, I think, really well with the television show The Good Place, where the main character, Eleanor, like her journey is trying to figure out what does it mean to be a good person, both to her and in relationship to other people. Mm-hmm. And how does she go about figuring that out? Um, well, she, she does it really literally, mm, that's true. <laughs> which, which I love. That's part of the reason I love that show. And I think they did such a great job exploring morality. Mm-hmm. Um, and what because, do we owe each other? I always think of that. What was it? End of oh, second season where like she and Ted Danson, mm-hmm. who like you did remind me that his name is Michael on the show, but <laughs> It'll just always be Ted Danson to me. Like, Ted Danson is there, and Eleanor's lost her memory, and she's really struggling, and she thought she was working on being a better person, but now she's fallen off the wagon, and she's sitting in a bar, and some sad amalgam of a TGI Fridays. (laughs) She's, like, trying to figure out what does it all mean, and Ted Danson is like, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, what do do we owe each other? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Eleanor, fine, mm-hmm. cheaty. Yep. Yeah. What do we owe to each other? I I love I love that question because not everybody feels like we owe anything to each other. Sure. You know. Um. So we're we're getting towards talking about meaning, which I guess 
of course we were going to wind up talking about meaning, right? It, how how could we not? Um, well, yeah, and I think maybe to your your point earlier, like meaning very much underpins how each of us as individ- individuals define what it means to be a better person. Mm-hmm. That has to do with where do we find meaning? Where do we find value? Mm-hmm. What things do we give importance in our lives? Yeah. yeah. And and lots of people hunt for meaning, looking everywhere except with other people. Mm-hmm. And that is so often where meaning is found between human beings. Right. And that's what I love about The Good Place is they, they exemplify that. Because Eleanor keeps trying to be this good person, mm-hmm. but she's not having relationships where meaning yeah. could be created. Oh, I love that. That's great. No, thank you. It also reminds me of what I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming that it's what like helped sort of jumpstart the idea for doing the show in the first place. Because it's, it's that phrase like hell is other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. And there's that play by Sartre called no exit which is so which is just like deconstructing the idea that hell is other people but Mm -hmm. what the good place says is it's like well sure but also so is heaven Mm. like heaven is other people too and really like it it very much puts forth this thesis that the like one of the pillars of, of life's meaning is connecting with other beings and other creatures Mm -hmm. in a way that is restorative and sustainable rather than selfish and destructive right well and that's why michael's experiment keeps failing because his hypothesis is that hell is other people Mm -hmm. but they keep finding each other and discovering exactly the opposite Mm -hmm. and and eventually turn him because he has a relationship with them and suddenly his life has meaning right which does it's such a beautiful way like it and of course, like we're not on this podcast about like hating on science. We're very pro science, um, mm-hmm. but it it does, I think, in a very gentle way, kind of call into question again this idea that if you are a, a researcher, that you can be unbiased mm. or uninvolved with what you're studying. Like obviously, that's one of the things that historically, and I still think even now that we try to maintain that you have this this perspective, and the perspective is important, and yet. It's undeniable that when you are observing another creature, conducting any kind of an experiment, part of what's happening is your relationship to the beings that you're studying or observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How could you how could you not? Right. You don't become a robot. No. No. It's true. And I mean, we could go way down the rabbit hole and talk about what happens when robots become sentient. We could. I mean, just look at data. <laughs> right oh mm. <laughs> oh so good so good <laughs> uh, yeah so i love i love the good place as an exploration of of this exact question mm-hmm. this exact n- new year new you question mark is do do i like the person that i am or that i was mm-hmm and that's not an inv- that's not a stick with which to beat yourself. No. It's a mirror with which to explore yourself. Right. And uh sounds dirty is not. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wow, I had not gone there and then you did and then I was like, "Oh, okay. All right. I I see what she's doing there." <laughs> I mean, that's that's all fine too. This mm-hmm. there is yep. nothing wrong with a little exploration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I knew that's where you were going, so I beat you to it. <laughs> um, but my point was, if we notice that, you know what, I'm, I'm not particularly happy. This isn't where I thought life was going to go. Yeah. Or, you know, this is where I thought life was going to go, and I'm still not feeling meaning. I'm still not happy, which mm-hmm. is something that happens for people and they don't want to talk about. Right. Because if you get everything you've ever wanted and you're miserable, nobody wants to hear that. Right. And get, of course, if that's the case, my gosh, boy, do you need to start exploring that? Mm hmm. 
Right. Because all the things you wanted were probably not the things that fill you up. They were probably not things of meaning. They were likely... Or, and or oh. maybe they were someone else's meaning. Oh, that is such a great point. Mm-hmm. And, they, and yeah. they, they gave that meaning to you, either by directly giving it to you, teaching it to you, you know, being mm-hmm. raised in a society that makes it very clear day in and day out, these are, these are our metrics for success, right? This is what it means mm-hmm. to be a successful adult man or woman in late-stage capitalist America. And mm. meeting, like, hitting that metric, right, and getting a 10 out of 10, that might not be your inner truth. And if it's not your inner truth, getting 10 out of 10 there is, it's not going to spark joy for you. It'll mm-hmm. spark the opposite, which is sadness. Mm. Yes. And this which... does connect. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, no, you go. Because you, you so had more point than I did. I can tell. Okay. Well, I was going to say that, like, <laughs> this, this is where kind of the wire comes in. And That's I think, where I was uh, going to go. Perfect. See? Mind, mind meld. Perfect. <laughs> um, but, like, this, this is why we thought, like, these two fandoms would be perfect to discuss here, even though I think on the face of it, they seem quite different. Um, because the wire very, I mean, it, it has a similar perspective to the good place in that it is very much about questioning um, societal norms, tropes, you know, rules, roles, laws, all those kinds of things um, from the vantage points of like, like, how does this serve us and what ways does it not serve us? And the wire is looking at the reality of systemic impact on individuals and groups of people. And Mm -hmm. it very much shows the ways that simply, simply like the luck of the draw of like where you're born and what group you find yourself in has a huge impact on how you understand yourself um, your place in your group, your country, your world, the kinds of like resources that you have access to, and how you define things like good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I when I th- when I think of this, I mean, there's so many examples in the wire, but the one that really comes forward for me is Hamsterdam. Tell me more. <laughs> Do you remember Hamsterdam? Um, a little, but I and and but I need you to tell me more. Yeah, so um, I I could have looked it up before we had this conversation, but I didn't know I was going to want to talk about this particular thing, so I didn't. Um, but there is... <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> well, I never know where my brain's going to go, you know? It's just, it's like a galaxy unto itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, in one of the seasons... Uh, the a, a small group of cops decide that it it does not make sense anymore to bust everybody for dealing oh, and doing drugs. Yes. And this is Bunny's idea, right? And mm. he makes that big speech and he uses the example of remember back in the day when like it became illegal to like have an open bottle of alcohol and then people put a brown mm-hmm. bag and it helped like cops and citizens coexist in a more sustainable way and mm-hmm. that's what we need now too and hamsterdam mm-hmm. but the problem with hamsterdam um oh so for folks who aren't familiar and if you're like i don't care if you spoiler the wire for me um it's been decided... on the air for years I mean, <laughs> at, decade, some, at some at some point least. we need to just like let go of the spoilers and, and also <laughs> if you haven't watched it and you're like oh no spoilers like don't listen to the next five minutes um what they did was they decided that this you know this block was going to decriminalize drugs and it was just going to let people freely deal and use and whatever Mm -hmm. and the cops were going to be there for the purposes of safety for no other reason Mm -hmm. um and it was noble it was a noble thought um but the problem with Amsterdam was that it wasn't a real place. It didn't have any infrastructure. There was no, right. you know, there were no working toilets. There was no, you know, it was... There were no hospitals. There were no social workers, no mental health professionals, right? Like, it was just mm-hmm. this, like, abandoned half a neighborhood, if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like they got halfway there. 
right? They they questioned the system. They said, this isn't working. It's not sustainable. These people are going to keep using drugs. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep them safe. Right. Um, but it... But we can't completely keep them safe because part of safety is well-being. Well, right. And I think this, this opens up something I don't necessarily think we were going to go full bore on today, but I'm just going to like touch on a little bit, like dip our toes in if it were like mm-hmm. we're getting into like the limitations of sort of like individual action. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, and I'll, I'll give an example that I think is uh, a little more present right now. Like everyone's like plastic straws are bad. And here's the thing. Obviously they are. I'm always talking about how the planet is dying. I'm not going to tell you the plastic (laughs) straws are great. They're not right. I am Mm going to tell you though, that like, that's not going to help the planet really, because that's not like the heart of what's been causing this issue. The big issue here is that from a systemic standpoint, we are doing all kinds of things that are 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 causing the decline of our planet and that we need we need systemic change here we need Mm -hmm. major corporations to be changing how they're transporting goods how they're making goods how they are disseminating of the waste of those goods that they've made right like cutting Mm -hmm. down on plastic straws that is that's a lovely idea but it's not going to solve the problem in the same way that like hamsterdam was like based on this idea that like yeah we we need to decriminalize drugs yes Mm -hmm. but we need to do that as a country right because when we do that as a country then part of then what we're also going to do is we're going to be able to mobilize and get things in place to help the people who are struggling with crippling addiction Mm -hmm. not just like put them all in one half a city block and be like well do your heroin (laughs) right yeah. Which which is very dark and also very important because mm-hmm. I I mean this is something that comes up with with clients or friends or you know people in life which is I want to make these changes but I'm not the one mm-hmm. who is quote unquote the problem. Right. And that is so frustrating. You know, I want to make this change. I want to do this particular thing differently, but Mm -hmm. I can't because dot, dot, dot of some systemic issue that we cannot change. Right. And or that like we we can change collectively, but I myself as as an individual am not empowered to change it because I am an individual. So this is when I start talking about the, the self as being political so Mm. those acts of micro activism because it's it it's all we can do and those tiny bits do make a difference Mm -hmm. so sure the the one plastic straw is not going to change the course of humanity um but if you act differently with your loved one Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the family that is the system that you feel incapable of changing. Mm-hmm. Changing the way that you interact within that system does have impact. Mm-hmm. And it it has ripples. And that's true on a societal level as well. It is certainly much smaller. I am not saying that go out in the world and live your truth and everything's going to work out okay. Um but I do believe that the more we have these conversations and we show up differently in the world, that impacts those around us. And ultimately, that continues to impact those around them. And they tell two friends and they tell two friends and they tell two friends. And at least you have a community. Mm-hmm. Maybe you it... haven't changed the world, but mm-hmm. you've changed your little hamster dam. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to now use that analogy because things really fall apart there. <laughs> No, I shouldn't have gone but, back to Amsterdam. No, we should just leave it where it where it died. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> right, this is the wire, man. Like it's dark, and and I think being with the darkness of it is is important too, especially in light of holding this central t- tension between personal change and societal or communal change. Right, that like. I often talk with folks in my work or rather in our work together about unrealistic expectations 
Mm -hmm. Sometimes we set expectations for ourselves that are unrealistic because we're not really acknowledging the impact that the systems in which we live are having on us. We're not really acknowledging the ways in which those systems limit us. And I do think sometimes we don't want to face that and acknowledge that because it is sad and it is disappointing. And I think it can be heartbreaking to really face and reckon with the ways that for things that were utterly beyond our control, that we can't do things that maybe we would otherwise want to do. Like the example that always stands out to me is I remember I was talking with a mentor of mine and she was sharing um, that she had been working with someone who really wanted to be a doctor mm-hmm. and, uh, they, they, they were an ethnic minority. They were poor. They were not lower middle-class. They were poor, mm-hmm. um, very talented, very bright, very compassionate human. Like in, from a, from a purely, if we want to talk about like skills and capabilities, sure. They would have made a great doctor. It was utterly impossible. Like that was never going to be mm-hmm. able to happen because the fact of the matter is, is that, what is required to get through medical school is that you need to have a safety net underneath you that can help like cover not just the cost of your schooling, but like where you're going to live and what you're going to eat for the frankly, like six to eight years that you're going to be doing things just related to medical school. That's not even Mm -hmm. talking about what it takes to get in. Right. And I remember her sharing with me ways that like she slowly over time talked with this person about that so that they could both face that reality, mourn it, and figure out, okay, based on where I'm at within this system, how do I take the skills that they have uh, that I have and try and use them in a way that will be fulfilling to me, while wow. also mourning the loss of this this thing that I could have pursued if I'd just gotten lucky enough to be born into a different social group. Oh, that's such a hard message. It is. It It is. It's brutal. And I think still very much in this country, we don't want to be with that idea. And there are people who would fight me real hard on it. And yet that is frankly the reality. You can't just this idea that anybody can bootstrap their way to anything is quite frankly a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, listeners, you cannot see the captain's face, but she is feeling real sad right now. I have brought her down and perhaps you down too. <laughs> I've got I've got my full on beaker face going. You do. My my greatest frown. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm glad you brought this up. It is sad and it is real that we need to manage our expectations. And I'm I'm gonna and, bring it and back like, to- and the societal limitations that we're kind of like up against right yeah yes and i'm gonna bring it back to the family because apparently that's what i'm doing today Uh, Mm -hmm. um, you are really in the family zone it's almost like you're a marriage and family therapist in addition (laughs) to being a starfleet captain (laughs) um but managing expectations with other humans particularly our family of origin Mm. is wow that's a big deal yes um because we uh, spoilers, we cannot change other people. We we can introduce new ideas into the system. We can interact differently, mm-hmm. but we cannot change other people. No. And that is a very hard reality for many folks. Yeah. Um, because and as interacting... we're about... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as, as we're interacting with this, uh, as we're talking about this new year, new you thing... If we're noticing, like, oh, I don't like this relationship I have with this human, it it may be a really hard message that the other person is unwilling or unable to change. Right. And you mm-hmm. can change how you are going to show up in the relationship mm-hmm. and around that person. But that doesn't mean that's not that's not a guarantee that the relationship itself is going to be more of what you're looking for, more of what you want, because it involves this other human being over which you have no control. Mm hmm. Where were you going to go? That was exactly where I was going. (laughs) I think we might be too mind melded now. Yeah. 
It happens for us. <laughs> uh, what am I thinking about right now? Cheese. <laughs> it was Riverdale. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there's cheese in Riverdale. Okay, good. I'm glad we still have some differentiation from we each do. other. Also, side note, were you also relieved when you found out that Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt were not broken up? They were just messing with people for their W Magazine article. Oh, I didn't hear any of that. Okay. I just well. assume they are always bughead. Well, that's good, because for a, like a week to two weeks, a lot of tension over here in Spock oh, world no. about that. Oh, yeah, no. But they're fine. They're okay. You know, they're... Whew. Bughead forever. <laughs> I have some serious parasocial relationships investment in that couple. I mean, I thought that I was, I didn't, I didn't realize how invested I was from a parasocial perspective until they were, there was threats that they had broken up. And then I was like, <laughs> wow, Spock, you need to do some differentiation here. <laughs> Create some separateness. Think about like real versus like IRL versus parasocial relationships. It's time. <laughs> All that being said, I was so relieved when it turned out they were still together. It, both things can be true. Yeah, fair. All right. We've talked about a lot. So many things. So many places I didn't expect us to go. I love no. it when that happens. Me neither. Honestly, when we first like hopped on today, I was like, nah, this is going to be like sh a short app, you know, brief. <laughs> and that was silly. <laughs> <laughs> that was silly yeah. of me to think. <laughs> that was silly. Did you know we were going to be talking about social constructionism and that I would be involved in this podcast? And yeah, you know, hindsight's, it was an example of me really not engaging my prior knowledge as fully as I normally do. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. All right. Yeah. So bring it back around. What would you invite our listeners to take away with them today, Captain? I would invite our listeners, um, whether or not you are celebrating uh, the Jewish New Year of Rosh Hashanah, um, to perhaps use this autumn time to do a little bit of just questioning, uh, looking around um, at your relationships with other people, your relationships with yourself, um, the way you're moving through the world, and just just noticing whether or not um, you feel like these relationships, feelings, actions are serving you. And if you feel like, mm, I'm not so sure, just get a little curious about it. Again, this is not a reason to beat yourself up and say, oh, no, why have I been in this relationship for so long when it's harmful? That's not the purpose here. Mm -mm. The purpose here is just to gain information. And if you gain information that, you know what, I feel like this friend doesn't really show up for me the way I show up for them okay, what am I going to do with that information? Mm -hmm. And and carrying that through to whatever comes up. Okay, I noticed this. What do I want to do with it? Is If this if I notice this feeling isn't mine, what do I want to do with that? Do I want to hand it back? And how, how am I emotionally going to do that? And this may be a time if you aren't already talking to a therapist, if you discover a few things and you just want to have someone to throw these questions at and have them work through them with you, that's a great time to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes people get confused about when it's okay to call a therapist. The short answer is whenever the fuck you want. Um, <laughs> really? Right. Uh, but the longer answer is sometimes people get wrapped up in the idea like something needs to be really wrong. You know, I have to be very unwell. Mm -hmm. to to contact a therapist and no i mean therapists are are great at just helping people talk through shit it's an hour in your week where you get to talk about only you yeah and that you get to you get clinical trained help in understanding you mm -hmm. so you're not alone in that process and yeah this can I mean, this can feel really overwhelming to be kind of sorting through and reflecting on the past, the present, the future, things that are working, things that are not working, trying to sort out what's me, what's my family, what's the larger societal system or community in which I live. And so if you are feeling overwhelmed and that can manifest in kind of noticing that like maybe you're numbing out more, mm. maybe you're distracting to the point where you are not able to get 
done things that you normally would be able to get done. Maybe you're taking on project after project at work. And while it's going really well at work, you notice, wow, everything else in my life is turning into a literal wilted plant. Um, right. Like if you're, if you're noticing you're struggling with like change, like rapid breathing multiple times a day and you don't have asthma, um, (laughs) like we do, like we do, these are all like any, any one or all of these would be indicators that like, huh, maybe I am starting to feel just overwhelmed by things. And that's a time to reach out to trusted friends, community, and of course a therapist. Cause that, I mean, genuinely, that's what we're there for. Mm -hmm. All right. What are some of the things that we talked about today? Um, We talked about a lot, but I would say the high points would be we talked about the Westworld construct, a.k.a. social constructionism. We touched on family, like aspects of family systems therapy and some of those OG founders, Murray Bowen and Carl Whitaker. Why can I pronounce these names? Well, friends, they were repeated to me a lot in grad school, and they beca- they became really ingrained in the memory. Otherwise, <laughs> you best believe I'd be mispronouncing that, mispronouncing that all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about family of origin. We talked a little bit about ethics, morality. And then the fandoms were... The Good Place, The Wire, with, you know, a dash of the magicians and Riverdale in for good measure. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a soupçon. <laughs> we. <laughs> we may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens, the Michael of our starship. Join us for our next app on Weird Science, the gamification of dating. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.